Em Rossiano. What? Am I putting a googie egg at my juts? And Michael Lucas. It did seem like an extremely high risk, very low reward strategy. <laughs> this is Em Salation. Don't send me your thoughts and prayers. I don't give a shit about them. Don't send me your laughter and light. Don't send me anything. Send me gin and your Netflix password. You're in Em Salation. Well, hello there and welcome to Em Salation. My name is Em Rossiano. I'm a writer, a singer, a stand-up comedian and a maximalist power queen. And together with my best friend since I was 11, Australian screenwriter Mr Michael Lucas, I bring you this podcast, Em Salation, every Thursday, only on Spotify. And we talk about all things pop culture, politics, princesses, penises, you name it, if it starts with P and other letters. It's allowed to be spoken of. Hello, hello. How you going? We really do cover all of those things this week, I have to tell you. We, of course, discuss Adele, Oprah and the Channel 7 reporter who didn't listen to the album before he interviewed Adele about her album. We speak about Christina Aguilera v Britney Spears and how Britney's in the wrong. And also Jackie Lambie taking on Pauline Hanson, Scott Morrison and anyone else in her way. It's a good app. It's a big app. It's all our passions rolled into one. If you can get Adele, Oprah, Britney, Christina and Australian politics in a delicious sandwich with us, you know, you've made it. Well, when I say made it, it's our wet dream. How's your week been? How have you been? We're well and truly back into the swing, aren't we? Life is ticking over again. I need to share with you a mortifying story. So um, Michael and I just recorded the episode and he needed to go because he's going to have his suit fitted for the actor awards, which are coming up in a couple of weeks. So I he needed to go and he said, I'll listen to the story in the monologue. So you guys will be hearing this before he does. And when you get to the end of the podcast, you'll be like, oh, oh, oh we already know. I don't know why you sound like Mr G, but anyway. Well, I always say to, to Margaret, you've got yourself an, an entertainment industry professional for the price of a teacher. So where's my pay rise? So this is my story. <sighs> if I was on radio, I would have told this story. Okay. <laughs> my, <laughs> I don't even know. I'm out of practice. I don't know where to start. There's one irrational fear I've had my whole life and my husband knows about it and I've gone to crazy great lengths to avoid it ever happening. And that fear is being seen completely naked by a stranger, by someone outside of my window, essentially someone, a delivery person, anyone, walking past my house. My fear is always that perhaps I'll be standing in my room nude as one does. As is my right. And some poor unsuspecting person will look in and there I'll be for Bush. Hot diggity damn. Whoa. Look at this cornucopia of flesh. And so sometimes Scott and I have lived in apartments which are on top floors, which only like low-flying planes could see in. But still, I'd say to him, I'd yell from the shower, shut the curtains. Anytime. I'll crawl on my stomach if I think there's a chance. that It's just everyone knows. I just, I never want that to happen. I always close the curtains before I take off a stitch of clothing. Well, yesterday, for the first time in my life, I didn't close the shutters to my bedroom. Now we live in we live in the bush. <laughs> that being the operative word of this story. And you know, we live down a hill, we live we have a long driveway, no one can see in unless they have specifically walked down the driveway to leave a box of food and <laughs> Yesterday, I got back from training. I was feeling frisky. I'm better. My health is with me. And I bought myself some new undies. 
And I thought, I'm going to pop on those new undies, but they were laying on my bed. And I came out of the shower, I walked through my wardrobe and I walked out into my bedroom and I was just completely nude as the day I was born. And I bent over to pick up the undies that were on just kind of next to my bed on the floor in the bag still when I bought them. And um, I stood up and there, face to face, eyeballing me, was the guy delivering our food for the week, standing there. And we, we it was a, it was suddenly we were in a showdown of eyeballs. And so I don't know why, but I quickly grabbed my boobs with both my hands. Like I didn't think to cover the full bush on display this poor man was viewing. And I yelled, nude! And then I high need ran back into the wardrobe and lay down very quietly on the ground. Okay, does that window open? Because I'm about to jump out of it. <gasps> so this guy just, I'm assuming, placed the food down and walked back up the driveway while my husband sat in the car. He was sitting in the car in the driveway on the phone, witnessing the whole thing, killing himself laughing. And I was laying on the ground in my wardrobe just yelling out, Machala, Machala. And she came running in because she thought there was like a wild animal in the house. She's like, what? I said, oh, my God, I was nude. Well, she burst out laughing because that's what happens in this family. It's just everyone just laughs at everyone's misfortune. There's never a, oh, I'm so sorry that happened. You must were really, like, exposed. And, like, nah, she just pissed herself laughing. Then she went out and had a good old time with her dad and they both recounted and they're like, oh, she's going to be talking about this for weeks. And they're right. <sighs> Why did I yell nude? Like, you've got to picture it. I was, like... I ran like I was doing a running drill, like knees to chest. So that would have given him an even worse view from behind. <gasps> and this guy's going to be delivering our food every week. What do I do? How do I come back from this? Why am I such, I, I literally lay on the ground. Like, you know, you have to stop, drop and roll. I stopped, drop and rolled in front of the delivery guy. Anyway, there's my story. You missed Michael Lucas. There's my story. Oh, my God. I'm mortified. I'm so mortified. <sighs> so, um, yeah, that's what happened to me yesterday. I am much better. Thank you. Oh, my God, I'm so sweaty. I'm so sweaty because when I tell stories, I go back and relive the moment emotionally and physically. I, 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 that's the only way I know how to tell a story is by placing myself back in that moment in time. And really running through all those emotions again. And I just realised I might have like compartmentalised it because I knew I had to deliver it to you guys today. <laughs> so bad. <sighs> While I've got you, I want to remind you to please get your reserve your spot for our Emsolation Live Christmas Spectacular. I'm putting on a show for you straight into your lounge rooms. I'm making it very easy for you to attend. Quite frankly, I can't think of a reason why if you. If you love us and you love this podcast, why you wouldn't watch this live stream? There's no excuse. You can watch it. If you can't make it on the night, you can watch it after. And it, it only costs you five bucks. So it's like a coffee, really. And Michael and I are worth a coffee. You can pay more if you want to, but I just made it a sliding scale. Um, it's really sp spiralling out of control, as you would hope. I'm now pre-recording pre an opening number. I've now also got some carolers, some camp carolers, and I've just ordered Michael's suit, which has naked elves on it, like I was naked in front of the delivery driver. So if you'd like to come along, 
please do. All the information is on the Emsolation Instagram page. But it's a night for us all to get together and celebrate the year as Emsolators, as a family, as a community. I would love you all there, please. Okay, that's quite enough from me. I'm going to bring in my partner in crime and um, just leave you with the image of me clutching my breasts, high-kneeing it, yelling, nude, into my wardrobe. Well, I, for one, think we should celebrate your resilience. A toast. A toast. (laughs) Play the music. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Michael Lucas, we have so much to talk about. It has been a pop culture smorgasbord, political sm- everything. Everything's happened. Where do we even start? I don't know. But the fact that there's been about 17 House of Gucci premieres and we're not even going to get to them just lets you know how much is on the agenda. Madness. Who does he think he is? It's time to take out the trash. Well, we're going to touch, touch slightly on, uh, only because Christina, only because. Oh, was that in a House of Gucci premiere? No, no, Christina's comment wasn't. I see, I see. Gaga's comment was, but we'll get to that. The first thing we're going to talk about is the Adele concert that aired in Australia on Sunday night. And um, obviously it was kind of interspersed with Oprah, her interview with Oprah in her rose garden. Oprah's rose garden. I know. It's heaven. It's now when I picture what heaven would look like for a religious religious person, it's that rose garden. A million percent. You show up at the pearly gates and Oprah's there in a white power suit, Gail beside her, just asking if you think that you've earned enough, have you had enough teachable moments to get into heaven? Okay, I'll go with that. Oh, and I just want to know, there were so many roses on those so vines. Like, roses. how is it possible? What are they feeding those roses? I don't know. And roses need maintenance. You've got to be pruning. You've got to be fertilising. Like, you, it's it's a big thing. Also, I saw the tea house. She has a tea house mm. that's the size of my actual house that I live in. I think Barbara Streisand has one of those too, if you well, watch now her I know. Apple Music interview. That's what I aspire to. I mean, that's it. I yeah. want to make a meaningful change in society for um, diverse groups and I want a tea house. They're now my two goals. <laughs> You're just a simple girl. <laughs> you would so, know what to do if you got your Montecito, oh. like, acreage. Because you'd get into the farming aspect too. You'd yes. be all about it. Yes. I love a market garden and some chooks. You know, this is the ultimate fantasy for me. Oh, the, some the kind Italian of, oh. heritage comes out oh. in every way. I'm going to be in some linen overalls with a wide brim straw hat with a piece of silk flowing in the wind effortlessly. My hair will be in long curly tendrils touching the just the top of my buttocks. I'll be barefoot with beautifully manicured toes, lightly tanned, but not like skin cancer-y tanned, just lightly healthily tanned with a singlet underneath. My toned arms will be pruning my roses. It will be a stunning sight for all. <sighs> not that I've given it that much thought, but... <laughs> So there they were, Adele and Oprah, and it was quite a striking sight, two of arguably the most powerful women in the world in terms of pop culture, sitting there in their tonal white on white on white on white, beige on beige Mm. on beige on beige suits. I'd noticed Adele had even gone a natural manicure. She just had a French tip, but it was a natural French tip. And the first thing was just Adele didn't change her demeanour for Oprah, which I loved. You know, sometimes celebrities get in front of Oprah and it's 
essentially like sitting across from God. And they get mm. all weird and polite and not not Adele. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was my favourite part. And there was a bit where she was saying to Oprah, I'm an athlete, I'm an athlete. Oh, no, I'm, a, like, I'm an athlete. I'm actually an athlete. Like, <laughs> I'm not even boasting. Even the proportions of my body, I should have been an athlete if only at school hadn't discovered boys and someone had told me to go and do a bit more PE. <laughs> I can deadlift. I'm at 100 pounds. Oh, I, if, I, if I hadn't discovered boys, I would have been an athlete. And I just thought, I love that I'm watching, I'm in a world where Adele is telling Oprah how much she can deadlift. I just, this feels right. But for me it was actually impressive that Adele has an instinct that I respect. Normally she relentlessly takes the piss out of herself and everything. And, of course, Oprah requires the moments of sincerity and the moments that are going to bring you to tears. And she did manage to, in an authentic and her way, deliver those two. Yes. And the bit that made me be uncomfortable in my ethics was when Oprah asked her if she wanted more kids. Do you want more children? I thought I'm, I'm definitely open to it. I would like more children. I wouldn't be the end of the world if I don't. Mm-hmm. have them because I have Angelo. But, yeah, I think so. I was like, mm, none of your business, though. Don't ask that. <laughs> that made me feel oh, I mean, it. she's probably, you know, I'm sure Oprah was asked that for her whole life. I felt like there was, like, a 10-year period where all anyone heard was, is Stedman and Oprah going to have kids constantly? Mm, I remember true. Madonna asking Oprah that, that point blank. <sighs> well, we've moved forward as a society. We certainly have. How did you go thing- with the actual concert? I love the concert. I want everyone to know, I want you to know how hard ballads are to sing when you're nervous. It's really easy to come out. That So many shows open with bangers because the performer's nervous and it's easy to do an upbeat song when you've got a lot of energy to burn. You don't have to control your voice. You, you're having back and forwards with the crowd. But ballads lay you bare. And so mm. if you have got any nerves, any adrenaline, those long, slow notes, everything wobbles. So, so we're, we can never get an M show where you come out and sing Forged in the Flame first off. No. <laughs> so massive respect and hats off for opening with hello. <laughs> you know what the worst would be then? If you're on an awards show and you just had one song and the song was a ballad, that would be terrible. It's hard. It's hard to control your voice. on the And all Adele's songs have the big, long, slow notes. So she's an amazing technical singer. Make no mistake about it. I enjoyed the show. I just, yeah, I, I, I prefer the... The speaking bits, oddly, I like hearing Adele talk. I like hearing her give the women of the world permission to fall apart. And that's essentially, besides her incredible talent, why we're so drawn to her is because she gives us all permission to be a hot mess. Mm. And I kind of love that she was a hot mess in the Oprah interview too. Can I give you a bit of trivia about the show that makes her nerve control even better? You may already know this, I don't know. But... um, they had that show scheduled for 48 hours after the one that we um, watched because then they looked at the weather forecast and there was terrible rain on that day. And so they decided to make the dress rehearsal the show. And so they had to contact all the celebrities and say, how do you feel about 48 hours earlier because we're going to have terrible... And it was a good move because that weather was astounding, the weather that they had. But, yeah, so she went... So they filmed the dress rehearsal and did it all and that's that's what it was. So she had even less prep um, to get those nerves under control before coming out and singing, hello. Hello. See, I can't Um, even do it. I'm not nervous. (laughs) Amazing. That's so... Oh, my God, that would be my worst nightmare. All in all, it's been an amazing time for Adele. It hasn't been an amazing. It hasn't been an amazing time for an Australian reporter. I may need. Has anyone got an anaesthetic? <laughs> I. I just. 
I feel very... <laughs> if you can't go on, I can explain some of the story and you can just occasionally make whatever sounds and noises you need. <laughs> I would like you to set the scene and then I want to explain to everyone why there appears to have been maybe a collective overreacting from journalists and interviewers and radio people like me to this behaviour. You explain what happened between the Australian reporter sent exclusively after Channel 7 paid a million dollars for the package deal. Mm. You, 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 you do it and I will compose. Yeah, so Seven Seven won the bids for the concert, which came with an exclusive interest. And when we watched that concert with Oprah and everything like that, there should have also been uh, an exclusive interview with an Australian journalist. They flew him over <laughs> to London to interview Adele, and then mid-interview, Adele it became painfully apparent uh, that he. No, had not- it was at the end. It was at the oh. end of the interview. If I may interject, sir. Yeah. Um, she said the, she the had end to of the ask 30 him, minutes. Have you listened? Mm. And he said mm. no, he hadn't. Mm. And now there's some dispute about this whether she left the interview or not. He says no, but other reports say that she ended the interview there. But what did happen was that the music label did not release the footage of the interview in the wake of that. Um, and then there was also rumours that he was it was leaked, and there was rumours that he was uh, that he was suspended from Sunrise for a couple of weeks. Although that again is in dispute. And then he later clarified that he didn't see the link to the album. So it's been a lot to digest the last few weeks. I was waiting to see if there was, I couldn't imagine what the what the uh, explanation could possibly be, but I'm just going to say that I missed the link in my inbox probably. I, I cannot imagine if I'm in a $1 million interview <laughs> with the biggest singer in the world, one of the most famous people in the world that's purely mm. about the new album, I think I would move heaven and earth to listen to that album before you go, what the hell else are you going to talk about, for Christ's sake? Anyway, yeah, yeah. needless to say, yeah. um, people had a reaction to it, particularly uh, other people in the entertainment journalism media space, of which my co-host is one. <laughs> Look. I have interviewed a lot of amazing people because that's what Breakfast Radio, one of the perks of it is I've interviewed Meryl Streep, I've interviewed Pink, I've interviewed Chris Hemsworth, I've interviewed Mark Ruffalo, I've interviewed Kevin Rudd, I've interviewed Malcolm Turnbull, you name it. Like it's And it's one of the highlights of that job for me and I would immerse myself in the person I was interviewing. I would basically become them. I would live as them. I was Lady Gaga in House of Gucci. <coughs> like I would... All there was to know, I would watch previous Celebrities interviews. getting notifications. We're, we're a bit concerned about some identity theft. No, 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 it's just an Australian radio teacher. Don't worry about it. She's just, she's very yes. prepared. I just, I would watch old interviews to see which areas they would light up in to hopefully be able to occupy the same space as this person. Because what you've got to remember is if there's a big junket, there's going to be 15 interviews with this person. You'll be able to see it everywhere. So you want your interview to stand out. You want your interview to be the best so it's the one that people watch. And so I think the reason this has been so reported on is because the fact that this reporter slash journalist walked in so breathtakingly unprepared has flummoxed all of us reporting on it. And so the thing that got me the most is that it happened at the end of the interview. They've been chatting for 30 minutes and he admitted it to her. It was a conscious choice he made. So the interview had already happened. And to me it feels like... Was he almost trying to say to her, ha, 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 look how good I am, I tricked you. I haven't even listened to it. Was he expecting it to be some kind of cheeky, 
you know, shiny eyed, pat on the back. Oh, you got me. Do you know what I mean? Like, it feels like a strange privileged thing to admit, Mm. to think that that would be like almost endearing to her. Mm. That was the thing that got me. And and I, and I want to be very calm about this. I'm not personally attacking him in any way. What I am attacking is his professionalism and also the wider industry in which continue to employ people like Matt Doran. And I think he's come at a moment in time where he's now the walking advertisement for the type of people Australian Network's hire and people who work six times as hard, basically people who aren't straight white men, can't get a seat at the table. More dedicated and more diverse people can't even get in the room because good-looking, likeable blokes are taking the spots at the table. And this situation has glaringly illustrated it to everyone. And it isn't just happening in the Australian television industry or the Australian radio industry or the, or the media at large. This happens in most industries. And it also comes at a time that, like, paid media jobs are thin on the ground because as everything starts to go digital, like, legacy media is dying and those mm. those positions, those actual mm. well-paid positions are so much harder. They are... Yeah, the, the number of incredibly skilled writers and presenters and everything like that that are scraping by on, on opportunities that would kill for something like this is, you know, I mean, I'm sure in the 80s, shit like this happened a lot. Yeah, <laughs> But in sure. the contemporary, because back then there was millions flowing into all sorts of media and so many jobs and everything like that. Now to have such a highly paid, prominent media position and to ooh, be so unprepared is more than ever, uh, yeah. uh, you know, terrible. So, so that was, I guess, why I was so... Hmm, offended by it, I guess, is the is the right term. And, like, again, not a personal attack on this guy. And, yeah, what he did may seem like a small transgression, but it is just it is just the flavour of so often, and I know this may be a general term, a general statement, so often uh, there's a male and female co-hosts and the, the dude is there just, you know, blagging it and skating by and the female is there frantically asking all the questions. She's got all her notes. And I've seen this with my eyes. But look at our newsreaders and presenters just at the very basic level of how women are expected to present compared to their male counterparts. We have to try so much harder to even just be at the same table as these dudes who rock up, as Carl Stefanovic did, in the same suit for a year. You are a woman now, and this is what women do. We suck up all the bullshit that the world dumps up on us and keep smiling through it all in our boxy ass dresses. So I think this is now hopefully going to trigger a wider conversation about the people that we give these highly sought-after jobs to. And you guys, as the audience, need to demand more from the people on your television, the people on your panels. And there are much harder working people ready in the wings waiting to go who can do it all, who are, who are, who are just desperate to do it, and then this guy shows up after a 23-hour flight. I know. Still not having listened to the album, which was the entire point of the interview, and then claims to have not got the email. If it were me, I would have had, I would have called Google. I would have called Google and said, I am expecting a very important email. Where the fuck is it? He had three producers on the road with him. He had countless people at Sunrise, I suspect, working on this. No one? 
Oh, no, I know. And I don't know how soon after that flight the interview was, but I'm pretty sure it had to be over an hour afterwards. I don't think he got straight off the plane and was right there. And you would just be on absolute alert trying to get that. Yeah. Uh, and you say it is, I mean, I, it is It is a small one small decision that's led to this, I guess. Yeah. But I wouldn't say it's a small trip because, I mean, to to... to blow a million dollar like how many times in our career have any of us and mm-hmm. anu- like annulled a million dollar opportunity like people typically don't survive in their jobs if they do that even if it yeah. is something quick and seemingly minor that they did mm-hmm. that caused that i mean it's a it's a pretty big deal i'd be feeling feeling pretty bad if my bosses had flown me to um london and had that kind of investment and got nothing well he hasn't that's the same too like he's been cracking jokes on twitter and like wrote go easy on me as a tweet and, you know, I'm not seeing, I don't know, maybe behind closed doors. But, again, you know, don't at me. I'm not attacking this guy personally. I'm sure he's a a fine, upstanding human. But what he did was fairly unforgivable and if they had have just sent anyone else, literally anyone else with some kind of personal connection to Adele, which is not defined, I'll tell you right now, this wouldn't have happened. But maybe, in a sense, I'm glad it did and maybe this will start highlighting. Because I want to tell you, my DMs were flooded with women who begged to remain anonymous, which speaks volumes, and just said, yeah, this happens to me all the time. Yes, this happens to me on my radio show. Yes, this happens to me on my television show. This happens to me at my accounting job. This is a thing. If you're listening now, we cover for mediocre men and I don't know why, and we lift <laughs> them up and we do the work for them so that we can just be considered in the same airspace as them. I'm still covering for mediocre men and I don't know why we do it. <laughs> this podcast, perfect example. But the difference no! being I'm just the support act. <laughs> you are not mediocre. You've, you front up with more base knowledge than most people would have if they researched for five years, so it's fine. All right, so I'm going to move on from this. Just put a full stop at the end of that. I do like the album, by the way. If anyone's wondering, I think it's I think it's got some, I think it's got some real depth and range, and I think it's going to help. It's going to help a lot of people. I definitely think if you're going through anything in life, a divorce from yourself, as she cleverly put it, I I really enjoyed it. Okay, we're going to go away. We're going to come back because Britney Spears got the passwords to her Instagram account and has put Christina Aguilera on blast. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. All right. Britney Spears obviously has got her social media passwords back. As we all know, the conservatorship officially ended. She was handed her life back. She got her, she got her ATM card. Isn't that wild that Britney Spears didn't own an ATM card? Yes, although I have at various times in the past worked for powerful people that didn't sort of have their own really? ATM card. <laughs> Mm. Well, well, I mean, if you live your life with assistance around you and everything like that, like, why do you want to remember a pin? Oh, my God. Mm. Okay, sure. Okay, I'm putting that on the list with the Rose Garden, with the tea house <laughs> and the societal changes and never having to have a pin. <laughs> so Brittany has chosen to put Christina Aguilera on blast as her first point of business. Before we get to there, though, I'm going to give you a brief timeline and history of their relationship because I think it's important for context if you don't know the history between Christina and Brittany, okay? So in 1993, Brittany and Christina met on the set of the Mickey Mouse Club and um, they became firm friends. By all accounts, they were both there for each other and were, were very friendly Um, knew what it was like to be child stars and bonded. And then in uh, 1998, Britney obviously exploded with Baby One More Time. 
then Christina released Genie in a Bottle in 1999. And straight away the comparison started and the competition started with Christina often being painted as the bad girl and Britney being painted as the good girl. Now, Christina did get around in arseless chaps and Britney in exclusively white outfits. So I do understand perhaps how that narrative did happen. Uh, And then, Michael, you'll be able to take over from here. In 2003, it all came to a head at the MTV VMAs when Madonna kissed them both on stage. That's right. But. However, yes. (laughs) You'd be forgiven for thinking she only kissed Britney. Because, uh, I mean, I could talk about this performance for a hell of a long please time. Do, please do. Well, it was a callback. When Madonna first appeared on the de- on the first ever VMAs, she sang mm. Like a Virgin in a Wedding Dress, and so now she came back to sing her largely forgotten 2003 single, Hollywood, although I think it's a really good song. Anyway, and she was now the groom with two brides, Chris- mm-hmm. Christina and Brittany, and she came down and did a wedding waltz with them, and then at the peak of the song she turned around and, you know, kissed Brittany and then turned and kiss Christina, but MTV barely they only showed a fragment of Christina because when she when they when she kissed Britney, they cut to Justin Timberlake looking sort of uncomfortable in the mm. audience because that was at the peak of you know post uh, Britney and Justin. So Christina, despite the spectacular fake tan she had, <laughs> and she despite did. that, I bet she gave that kiss just as much, if not more, than Britney did not make the front pages of all the newspapers in the world. Mm-mm-mm-mm. That is correct. And then after that, the girls started trading barbs in interviews. Christina called Brittany a lost little girl who is desperate and in need of guidance. Mm. And she also said that Brittany isn't trailer trash but is acting like trailer trash. Yeah. Brittany fired back a few times. And then finally in 2008, Christina did another interview and said, I really regret the things I said. I I only wish the best for her. I hope that one day we can be friends. And that was around the time the conservatorship had kicked in. So I feel like Christina already knew then that things were not good. And it wasn't. 2008 was a shocker for Britney. Everything had gone wrong. So they've always had a bit of a tricky past but seem to have kind of, you know, come to a good place. So last week, obviously, Britney released a video acknowledging the Free Britney movement for the first time, uh, which must have been huge. Have a listen. And the Free Britney movement, you guys rock. Honestly, my voice was muted and threatened for so long and um, I wasn't able to speak up or say anything. And um, because of you guys and the awareness of kind of knowing what was going on and delivering that news to the public for so long, you gave it awareness. Um, to all of them and um, because of you I honestly think you guys saved my life in a way 100%. So I mean she said that they saved her life Michael. Mm, I know what I mean what another amazing validation and then and then she also you know said she was gonna turn the spotlight to other people in need I mean it was a good moment for, I was really happy when I saw that video. Yeah I thought she did really well um, she also she, inferred an Oprah interview, which we did. That did not go unnoticed in these quarters. It's been confirmed. The <gasps> Oprah, the Oprah Britney interview has, in fact, I got tagged multiple times by Emsolators. It's been confirmed. The Britney in the Rose Garden is happening. Wow! Will it I, beat Meghan Markle? I think it could. Oh, 
Mate, it will, yes, it will be huge. I can't wait. But I just, I'm really happy for all the gays and girls in the Free Britney movement because oh. they got their, they got their acknowledgement. That's all they I wanted. Yeah. I wish, oh God, I wish they I just put on climate targets. They, they are oh. effective. <laughs> all right. So this is where we get to what's happening at the moment between Christina and Britney. The Latin Grammys were on Friday night. And as Christina was walking the red carpet, an opportunistic reporter doing their job said, have you spoken to Britney since the conservatorship has ended? Now, Christina looks a bit scared. And then have a listen. You're going to hear her very snitchy PR go- dude pull her away. Have you had any communication? Have you guys had any communication? No, we're not doing that celebrate? tonight. I'm sorry. No, thank okay. you. Yeah. No, bye. Okay. But I'm happy for her. Yeah, thank, you. thank you. Okay, so she, she said I wish her the best. I, I think the PR dude comes off looking really bad in that situation. I agree. But Brittany, <laughs> Brittany wasn't very happy with this and on her Instagram stories, popped the video up and above it wrote, I love and adore everyone who supported me, but refusing to speak when you know the truth is equivalent to a lie. 13 years being in a corrupt, abusive system, yet why is it such a hard topic for people to talk about? I'm the one who went through it all. All the supporters who spoke up and supported me, thank you. Yes, I do matter. And then straight after, a video of Gaga was put up as comparison (laughs) on the same note. At the Farrasan House of Gucci premiere. One and of the 800, is, yes. And this is what Gaga had to say by comparison. Well, I've got to ask you, you sent out a beautiful message in support of Britney. Have you been cheering her on from the sidelines this whole time like we have? Of course I have, you know, and, and it's unfortunate because the truth is that the legal system doesn't care about what we have to say. But we have to just pray and hope that they're going to see the truth and that there will be justice. So I prayed for her this whole time and I'm so happy for her. And I don't want to speak on behalf of her. I want everyone to know that, you know, we can all cheer her on, but really and truly it's it's her that made this happen. And I think that we should applaud her for adopting her own freedom. Exactly. For her, for helping us turn free Britney into freed Britney. Yes, and that's her. She did that. And so above that, Britney wrote, thank you, Lady Gaga, for genuinely taking your time. Oh, she's lost her American accent. Thank you, Lady Gaga, for genuinely taking your time to say something so kind. <laughs> she's you going made to me cry. You <laughs> <laughs> made me cry. I love you. <laughs> you made me cry. I love you. So she's gone side by side. Mm. And it was not great for Christina. But the thing is, Britney's wrong, Michael. Oh, no, I know it pains you to say that. You, do you know, do you, are you across all the things Christina Aguilera has done to speak oh, out against Britney Spears' Yeah, I know. I have, I, I, I have clicked on a few links and seen that uh, she has been asked previously and has been pretty clear on her uh, position, especially in recent years. Oh, I'll tell you, on the 29th of June at 10.41am yeah. this year, Christina yeah. Aguilera tweeted an open letter And basically she just said every woman must have her own right to her own body, her own reproductive system, her own privacy, her own space, her own healing and happiness. Um, She said my heart, like it was a big, it was like 12 tweets. To a woman who has worked under conditions and pressures unimaginable to most, I promise you she deserves all the freedom possible to live her happiest life. My heart goes out to Brittany. She deserves all the true love and support in the world. I love you. I support you. Like it was this. It was this complete love letter to Brittany. Mm. And for Brittany to throw it back in her face, I imagine poor little Christina's not feeling very good about that because the Brittany army have gone after her hard. 
I know. Oh, it's difficult. It's difficult when these divas turn on each other, but particularly because I just want to be able to like go through at least a quite a long period of time where we do nothing but support uh, Ms. Spears. Yes, yes, but I don't know if she's saying something. It's just not just not correct at all. <laughs> I mean, I presume someone has alerted to her, to all of these things. I, I'll forgive her if she missed them and then I don't mm. know. I don't want to fact check Britney Spears ever. Why would you want to go anywhere near that delightful cloud of whatever she wants? But on this occasion, I felt a little pang in my little tummy because I have been watching a bit of burlesque lately. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, sure, sure. So it's like there's something that you turn to, like a beautiful, yeah. soothing, medicinal. Yeah, Cher's <laughs> yep. face, Christina singing. And I just remember thinking, no, 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 Christina supported you, Britney. What are you doing? I just... I Is just that your hope- private way of sending love to Christina? I just yes. want you to know, Christina, somewhere here in Australia, I am streaming burlesque. And you know hey! what? You should have got an Oscar Best Song nomination. That was a crime. You're going to make me believe that you belong up there. You want to show me something? Show me that. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, my God, Cher's face in that is so phenomenal. It's such an amazingly camp movie. Both of my girls know it word perfect. We do watch it a lot in this we, house. There's, it came on when I was at Em's house and you forget oh yeah. who is in that movie. I know. Stanley Tucci. Yes. Cher. Yes. Christina Aguilera. Um, Kristen Bell. It? Kristen Bell. Who else? Yes. Uh, I can't remember anyone Yeah, well, that's it. But that, that's enough. That's very impressive. Um, yes, yeah, so... My only concern is Brittany has all this amazing good faith and goodwill around her and what she does moving forward now, people are very, it's a trigger. If she does the wrong thing, then because we're not fighting for her anymore, I worry the public turn on her and be like, oh, she's, she's a mess, she's a hot mess, she, she, she needs help, she's saying all these wild things. Whereas before when she was saying all the wild things, there was an excuse, you know, oh, it's not her, someone's editing it, someone's speeding it up. She's, so I just hope... I hope that she has good people around her to direct that fantastical energy mm. into the right path. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like this is a fork in the road for Britney, a moment in time, a moment in history. Yeah. What is she, what's the next big thing after the, the conservatorship's ended? That's- well, in the immediate future, the Oprah interview, and I hope and trust that <sighs> Oprah will ask about this situation. <laughs> so exciting. Okay, now before you go, we need to speak about some Australian politics. Of course we do. Senator Jackie Lambie has, there's been like three viral videos this week. Amazing. She's mm. unleashed at the moment. She is and I'm, yeah, I'm kind of, I've interviewed Jackie Lambie when she re- released her book, which has an unbelievable title that I want to remember, Can't Keep a Good Lambie Down, I think it is, from, ah. from soldier to senator, something like that. Wow. And she is. She fills the space. She's hectic. She's um she's a force. Yeah. Truly. All the things you see is that is she she is being her complete and utter self. I remember sitting in the interview, I remember feeling just a bit like it was refreshing. Because most people you interview, especially politicians, are very careful. But yeah. she was like, she was like, nah, fuck him, fuck her, fuck them. I was like, okay, cool. Mm. Cool. So on Monday, Jackie Lambie fiercely attacked Pauline Hanson's One Nation vaccine discrimination bill. And basically it's a private bill wanting to scrap all the vaccine mandates and it's suggesting that people who are unvaccinated are being discriminated against. Oh, yeah. 
And didn't she go off? And I have to say, I, Jackie Lambie is always such a wild card. Like, some of her positions are intensely right-wing. Other times she can really surprise you when she's progressive. On this one, I genuinely don't think I knew where she would fall. Yeah. Um, maybe I sh- maybe if I followed her more closely, I would have known. But le- mm. she was took particular offence yeah. at the use of the word discrimination. It says that nine in ten Australian adults who have gone out and got the jab don't get a choice themselves that we don't have a choice to keep COVID out of our work sites, our aged care homes, our pubs, our cafes, our houses, away from our kids. It says some people should be allowed to make consequence-free decisions, that some people should be able to fire in a crowded room and get away with it scot-free. I don't think so. Not on my watch. Here's the thing, being held accountable for your own actions isn't called discrimination. It's called being, you wouldn't believe it, a goddamn bloody adult. That's right as being an adult. It's putting others before yourself. And that's what this country's supposed to be about. Pauline Hanson also went on to say, we're in a pandemic of discrimination against the unvaccinated in Australia. Senators here on notice, if you don't support my legislation, then you don't support Australian democracy and freedom and you don't support the right to choose. Well, as you said, this is what Jackie had to say about One Nation suddenly caring about discrimination. If you want a champion against discrimination, you don't want One Nation. One Nation wants autistic children to be taken out of public schools because, and I quote, they're a strain on the rest of the class. People don't choose to be autistic. Taking them out of school is discrimination. And One Nation just loves it. One Nation wants a ban on any immigration from majority Muslim countries, even if the person isn't Muslim. People don't choose what country they're born in. That is discrimination. One Nation has no problem with that either. One Nation is opposed to same-sex marriage. People don't choose to be gay. That is discrimination. One Nation has no issue with that either. One Nation is not a fighter against discrimination. One Nation seeks to profit from it. It's just a fundraising exercise for them and that's all this is. So that was, she made good points. Like she, she pointed out, you know, the, the marriage being born gay and Muslim people seeking asylum. And, but the thing is, Michael, and I asked you this morning... I feel uncomfortable, I felt uncomfortable in my ethics place about championing, championing Jackie because she has some problematic stances in the past. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. I mean, she particularly, look, <laughs> anyone that remembers the gay marriage debate will remember there were some pretty shaky times with Jackie Lambie. Yes. And, yes. But I would say even above and beyond that, it's her attitude towards asylum seekers and uh, especially Muslim communities. Mm. I mean, she was part of the Ban the Burqa campaign and when the Medivac mm. bill, which was basically just arguing for the bare minimum humane treatment of mm. asylum seekers, she was against that too. So those are always, you know, really, really difficult areas. Yeah, she. but, I mean, I guess what I can appreciate about her is because she does, her positions don't accord to the traditional left-right standards. Sometimes she can surprise you with how intensely progressive she is and sometimes it can be intensely right-wing. And, and uh, I think there is, because we are so polarised, there is a value in having this you know, outspoken figure who you can't box, you can't put in a category. And, yeah, you can never feel 
<laughs> you can never get on the Jackie Lambie train for life. You can't strap yourself in and say, I'm not getting off this carriage. No. But I think maybe there's a, there's something healthy in that because there's no politician that we should get on board for life with. I mean, there's, you know, you can't, and the deification of people, certain politicians is always yeah. tricky. Yeah. I mean, as much as we can sit here and, you know, get excited when, Dan produces a perfect tweet or whatever he does. And there are other times where we need to be able to go, hang on a second, I'm not sure about that position. And and mm. Jackie Lambie is like the most extreme version of that. Mm. I agree. And she is a true independent. She is an independent senator. She doesn't belong to anyone. She's her own woman. And in a way that enables her to be raw and unfiltered and not afraid of her colleagues, not afraid of them removing her. So ultimately she does have true power because mm. she has no master. And she also attacked Scott Morrison this week, calling him the worst prime minister in the history of oh, prime ministers. Yeah. And no one else could really openly say that, you know, on his side of the fence anyway. So it's a weird one for me, but I do agree with you in that she allows herself to change her mind and her stance and you can tell she's working on herself and you can tell she's passionate and she doesn't have an agenda and she calls people out without fear of losing her job or her political standing. So perhaps... And I never thought I'd say this. Jackie Lambie is exactly what Australian politics needs. <laughs> we certainly Maybe. need someone to speak in an unguarded way. And yeah, I mean, these are the things I would expect from the national opposition leader to be saying. Yeah. These this kind of strong commentary and just basically saying, no fuckers, you guys are being dickheads. The vaccine is not a pro-choice issue. Back the fuck up, which is what she said. Yeah, and it was his position and she she said it in a way that went completely viral that really made an impact. Yeah, and all in a leopard print lapeled power jacket, you know. So- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's already gone bananas on TikTok. The number mm. of, of separate videos I've seen with people setting it to a DJ beat and, yeah. I mean. Yeah. She's, she's got cut through, but the cut through yes. is just basically that she's unfiltered and, and, and you know, what I would say is that I might vehemently disagree with her positions, but I do believe she's working hard to try and understand what her particular constituents want and she's, she's going door-to-door, business-to-business and representing that. And, yeah, and sometimes that means that they're really against asylum seekers, which is deeply, deeply troubling to me. But yeah. at least it's not someone making a cynical attempt to adopt a position that they think, like I think... Pauline Hansen's like getting on board the anti-vaxxer train is completely 100%. cynical. I'm sure she's vaccinated and everyone in her family is as well, but she sees yeah. an opportunity and that's what's really despicable. Yeah. Ultimately, the bill was voted down, thank goodness. Um, but also what's happened in the last 24 hours is that Malcolm Roberts, who is a One Nation senator, leaked Jackie's personal phone number on a Facebook page and oh uh, as a result she is receiving death threats and general threats of violence. I can only imagine what Jackie Lambie with her phone number out there is copying from far right. Mm. I, like She is brave to continue moving forward and fighting as hard as she does. She, must, she's, she was a soldier. She's used to war. So perhaps that's what it takes to, to be a, a woman in, in this kind of political climate at the moment to, to make some change. Mm. But I just want to restate. Neither of us support any the stances that she has made in the past on asylum seekers, on same-sex marriage. Michael and I are not blindly pro-Jackie Lambie in any way. We don't want anyone to think that. But I am on board for the type of politics she played this week. I think it's important. Oh, yeah, and we can, yeah. can recognise when someone pulls off a political moment that cuts through and, Jesus, yeah. this did. <laughs> it really did. Do you need to go? Yeah. But yeah. 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 <laughs> Just, I, 
Michael's going suit shopping today for the actors, and I'm not invited. No, but you'll get, you'll see the, you'll see the images. It's, it's Whatever. very exciting. No, All but right. it's I get picked up in a car and driven. Like it's anyway. Oh, you're so relatable. Me too. You demanded that I did this. No, you get a stylist. Clear. He's got a stylist. He's got a stylist. But I thought I would be involved. But Michael feels the stylist and I combined would be too savage. I know. Like I don't and like. It's also I just need it to be fast. I just need it to be fast. <laughs> oh, you know fine. I do. You should anyway. see him. He's, he's sitting on the edge of his seat ready to walk out. So I won't be able to tell you no. about how the, de- the delivery driver saw me naked when he delivered the... <sighs> I'll just have to listen to the monologue. Oh, listen, oh, I'm going to... Michael, you don't understand. Why? You, you, uh, this is, this was, is the cost of getting so many deliveries. You're too addicted to standing. online shopping. No, no, this was our food. We've started with like a healthy food, you know, like a meal kit provider and I'm not going to tell you. You can listen to it. Anyway, I've been avoiding this scenario my whole life. Scott laughed solidly for an hour. How naked? Completely frontal. Full bush. You have to wait to hear it in the intro. Okay, all right. Everyone else who's got to this point has already heard the story because the intro plays first. All right. So you'll have to wait. Go for your little shopping trip, your (laughs) 16-time nominated actor person. All right, I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. Bye. This is Emsolation. Okay. Sorry, I, I no, no, I really got fired up. And I just really want to state again, this is not me on some kind of a witch hunt after this reporter at Channel 7. I just, it spoke of a bigger problem that I've been directly affected by. And lots of you are affected by, you know, protecting and working harder than a dude you work with but him getting the credit and probably paid more. Anyway, that's it. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to follow us at Emsolation Podcast on the socials. Your social media captain is back this week. Marcella will be in charge of the stories. My God, that took a lot out of me doing the stories last week. And also don't forget to sign up for the newsletter. Ben puts together, my executive producer, Ben Wellesley, puts together anything we mention. We put together film recommendations, TV recommendations, book recommendations, YouTube clips to watch. It's just kind of this great resource for you that just puts, you know, just adds the spice to the podcast. And like I said at the beginning, don't forget to come along to Emsolation Live. Reserve your spot. They are limited. Love to see all your eyeballs there that night. Have a wonderful week. <laughs> I The next time we speak, oh, podcast awards are next week. Have you voted? Have you voted for Emsolation as your most favourite podcast of all time? You can do that if you go to the Australian Podcast Awards and vote in the People's Choice Awards. It'll take you two seconds. I'm going to present an award. I'm not expecting to win, but you guys could help us win if you vote. I know there's a lot today to ask of you, but we give you guys, we give you guys enough back, don't we? Yeah, we do. All right, have a great week, my loves, my darlings, and um, I'll speak to you this time, next time, whenever it is you listen to me. Bye now. Emsolation with M. Rossiano is a Spotify exclusive podcast hosted by M. Rossiano with Michael Lucas. Executive produced by Benjamin Wosley. Produced by M. Rossiano. Edited by Ezekiel Fenn at Entente Music with videos by Liam O'Brien. Socials by Marcella Rossiano Barrow with assistance from Jem Evans and Georgia Watts. Plus occasional technical wizardry, wine, and coffee from M. 
Ems Da Vinci. Get more Emsolation by following the Emsolation podcast on Instagram, where you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter. You can join other Emsolators at the Emsolation group on Facebook. The answer is Harry Styles. If you love what we do, share this podcast with a friend and make sure you're following us on the Spotify app. Thanks for taking time out to listen to this week's episode and we look forward to chatting with you again soon.